Let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 1. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 1, <clears throat> we started last week in this, uh, this book of Matthew, one of the four Gospels, uh, <clears throat> about the good news and, and uh, really this Gospel that links the Old Testament to the New Testament, this 400-year period, and then Matthew being the, the, the one they chose to put first in the canon, the, the, the book that we have the New Testament, written by this tax collector. Really, and, and the theme of it, can anybody remember what the theme is of the book of Matthew? Kingdom of Heaven. Kingdom of heaven. Dave, you know all the answers. Give someone else a chance. <laughs> the kingdom of Heaven. The Kingdom of God, synonymous. They, they're basically the same, and he uses them both in his book. But God had done a work in this tax collector and he'd been changed by the king and the kingdom of heaven was something that had affected him in a radical, radical way. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God and, and it's a kingdom of the heart. It's the rule of heaven in people's hearts. The kingdom of heaven in my heart, in your heart. John told us in his gospel that we see it and we enter it through being born again by faith in Jesus Christ. So the question is, who's on the throne of your heart? Now, I want to take a break here for a second and uh, um, play a song that, that uh, is going to tie in, in a little bit about the, uh, the uh, situation in Israel and how we're going to look at the genealogy of the people of Israel. But Anthony and Irene, uh, they wrote a song, and some of you heard about this, or maybe some of, some of you haven't, but they wrote this song uh, kind of going through their own trials there in Israel. It's a song, and they wrote it in Hebrew. We're going to see it. Uh, we're going to see the song, but also with English subtitles. But there was a, an article. Let me just read to you to, uh, to introduce it. It says, a song written by American Christians to encourage embattled Israel entitled A Prayer Under Fire, has aired for the first time on Israeli radio and television. It says the song was aired by Israeli radio and then aired live on Israel's broadcast uh, channel 10. And then it says that a, a recording of the song with pictures from this con conflict was posted on YouTube, which is, is what we're going to see here now. It says Anthony Chapman and his wife Irene from Rhode Island, they told Worthy News that they wrote the song in the middle of a recently troubled night when rockets were launched from the Gaza Strip into Beersheba region. And the first half of the song was written in the first few days after the first rockets fell. It says, We knew rockets had been falling in Sderot for years, but when we heard the sirens for the first time where they live, we really understood what they had been going through. It says, uh, and, and you can read more about this on the Internet if you do a search of a prayer under fire. It says, It speaks of seeking shelter. It talks of fear in the night, such as sirens and explosions uh, because of incoming rockets. It says it's a, a song that, that uh, puts their hope and, and their, uh, their faith and trust in God. It says it's a simple prayer for help that God to, to God that says it's horrible down here and we need you to help us. You're the only one who can. So that's kind of interesting, isn't it? That's happening. It's been on television, on the radio, and then now on the Internet. And uh, just a song that, a simple song they wrote about uh, being in the middle of all this. So why don't we go ahead and play that now and, uh, and we'll continue our study. Dios, dime sobre mí, 
אזעקות ופיצוצים, מקווים שלא יהיו נפגעים. מצלצלים, כל הקרובים, בודקים שאנחנו לא ניזוקים. אלוהים בו הנה כי צריכים הגנה אם לא ממך ממי היא תבוא אלוהים מה עכשיו המציאות היא רעה ולא יודעים מה עתיד לקרות
pretty heavy, huh? You know, it's a tragic situation, and uh, I think I've heard that they're very close to a ceasefire there. So the whole situation is, is just uh, is, is tragic. Really, it is. And, uh, you know, this kind of gives us another perspective. A lot of times you only get one perspective on the news. This kind of gives you another perspective from the Israeli side. We're going to talk a little bit more about the, uh, some of the problems between Israel and others around them in a minute. <clears throat> We're going to get back to our study here in Matthew. <clears throat> you know, quite a few years back, I, I came to New England <clears throat> and began to do some research uh, looking into my family, family tree. And I went to uh, Dover, New Hampshire, and, you know, researched on my father's side and, and went back and, and my father's father and his father's father, quite a few generations right, right there in Dover, New Hampshire. And, uh, you know, it was kind of interesting uh, to, to think about it, but there's really none of them left up there right now, uh, uh, like a distant cousin that uh, we got to meet. My mother, on the other hand, she grew up in New York City. She was Greek. And... Um, her father, uh, her mother was Greek and her father was Yugoslavian. And uh, hence, uh, the car I drive is a Yugo. Um, <laughs> but they came over, um, you know, to Ellis Island. And uh, my mother grew up basically in New York City and then lived in Long Island before they, my parents moved to San Diego. So... You put all that together, and I, I guess my thinking is that I have some right to be here. I've got some roots, some history, and it's okay for me to be here because it's kind of hard to break in, you know, so you've got to have something that you can use to kind of, well, listen, I do have, you know, at least New England, at least the East Coast, I can be here, right? I'm only one generation out, right? I'm kind of a New Englander on my father's side. Did you catch that? The interesting thing, even my stepfather, my stepfather uh, is from here. He, he grew up in, uh, in Greenwich, Connecticut. So it's kind of like all here, and, and I don't know if that had anything to do. Now, my, on Paula's side, now that's a different story. Her father's heritage, he was kind of, their family was in the backwoods, kind of, you know, Oklahoma and, and Kansas and Arkansas and that kind of thing. But her mother, on the other hand, her mother's father was from Sicily. What does that tell you? She's got to be here, right? She has every right to be here. And, and secondly, don't mess with her. <laughs> now, you can go on. It's a big thing on the Internet. You know, you, they got just hundreds of websites, Ancestry.com, you know, FamilyTree.com, MyHeritage.com, FamilyTreeMaker.com. You, you can go and research all this stuff, uh, but they all want money, of course, so I didn't get very far. But... I, I can tell you they're there. That's all I can tell you. But as soon as they start asking for your Social Security number, then I, I back off. This, why do I say all that? What does that have to do with anything? Well, for you and me, it really doesn't have a whole lot to do. It doesn't matter that much. You know, we're all kind of like, uh, in, the, in the terms of uh, animal terms, we're all kind of mutts, aren't we? We're a mixture of all these different uh, backgrounds. Some of us are, are maybe you know, purer in background than others, if you want to use that term. But Matthew chapter 1, and, and maybe that's why some people didn't show up today, because they, they looked ahead and they said, oh, we're going to do this genealogy today, so I'm going to stay home. 
But it starts with this family tree. It starts with a genealogy. And just as I was able to go and, and begin to do some research at some point, Matthew also, you know, he did his homework as well. And he researched it and he began to look into it and, and check the records, check the biblical records and other records that were available at that time. And you look at it and I look at it and we say, wow, it's just a whole bunch of names. Sounds like 17 verses full of names, name after name after name. Is it just a bunch of names? Is that all it is? you got to remember, who was he writing to here? Primarily to the Jews. And, and when it comes to Jesus, the first thing that they would ask about Jesus, when, when, when anybody would say, Jesus is the king, Jesus is Messiah, those two, those two uh, statements would be made about him. The first thing they would ask is, like, how can you even say something like that? Like, where did he come from? Who is he? What's his family line? You see, to them, that was the first thing that they would ask. Who's his ancestry? This was huge to them. And you think about it, there are, there are times when you read about it and talking about Jesus, they'd say, you know what? He, he's just, you know, a carpenter's son. He's just, you know, he's just a guy from, from up there in, you know, uh, Nazareth. And, and they, you know, kind of spoke down and, and kind of disparaged uh, made disparaging remarks about his origin. But Matthew, he wants to start from the very beginning and say, listen, this is the guy we're talking about here, and you people need to know where he came, where he came from and who he is. And, and so when you look at the Bible as a whole, there are a lot of places in the Scripture that have these you know, genealogies, Genesis and Numbers. We saw some in Numbers and Ruth and uh, First Chronicles and, and uh, Matthew, of course, here. And then the Gospel of Luke also has... A, uh, a genealogy as well. In, in, in it, we we kind of saw this in, in the book of Numbers as well. They, you know, it was important to them because it, it kind of it had to do with the, the rights to land, right? The, you know, who owned the land depended on who you were and the family tribe you were from. See, so to them it was a lot more important than you and I. Positions in the priesthood, you had to be able to prove that you were from the tribe of Aaron. Matthew then, written to, to Jews, he goes back to Abraham. Luke uh, goes all the way back to Adam. He's, he's writing to a larger audience. Again, so on, this, on the surface of this, it's just a bunch of names. But, but when we step back for a minute and think about it, it's the ancestry of Jesus Christ. It's where he came from. It's who he is. We could but we won't spend a lot of time looking at every one of these names. You could look at every one. Every single one of them has a story. Some of them you find chapters about in the Bible. Some of them might only be mentioned just their name. Some are more famous than others. But right from the very start, look in verse 1. It says, There are a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of of Abraham. The first thing that Matthew mentions is that he's the son of David. And to you and I, that, that doesn't mean anything. Like, what is that? What's that all about? Son of David. Why would he start with something like that? Because he, you know, to you and I, whose son is he? Well, God's son, yeah. But in 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 the worldly sense, he was Joseph's son and Mary's son. And we're going to talk about that in a second or a few minutes. But Matthew starts out and he says he's the son of David. And again, his theme 
comes out in the very first verse. It goes throughout the whole book. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, that Jesus Christ was a king. He was a son of David. And, the, and David speaks about a line of kings. And a king needs credentials. A king must have credentials. You, you think about the, you know, the monarchy in England, right? We have a queen there now, or they have a queen. Um, we have a guy that wants to be the king that he's probably never going to be king because his mother's going to live so long that he's not going to have a chance. Uh, so they're already looking at his sons to be the next kings, right? But they have, they have looked back into the ancestry of the kings for, you know, they know exactly the generations. They know exactly where the, the bloodlines. Not anybody can just be the king, right? So Matthew here is starting right out, and he's saying that, that Jesus Christ, he's the son of David. And as soon as he said that, that like caught their attention. Son of David, what, what are you saying? Why are you saying that here? Now, I want you to turn back with me to a couple of passages in, in, uh, in the Old Testament. First, Second Samuel, Second uh, Samuel, and then we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. In verse 12, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. The Lord is speaking to David. This is God's word, God's promises to David. He's speaking through a prophet, through the prophet Nathan. And he says in, in verse 12 there, uh, you can read the whole thing. Uh, but it says, verse 12, When your days are over, speaking to David, and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men with floggings inflicted by men, but my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. This is the promise to David that it was going to be a forever kingdom. Now, it speaks in there about building the house as well. And you could say, well, yeah, he's talking about who? Solomon, who was his son, uh, was going to build the house. He was going to build that temple. But when you, can, can, you, can, you, can you imagine the fact that Solomon being alive today? Because it says forever, right? The kingdom would be forever. And Solomon, he's dead. He died. He wrote, uh, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes to tell, tell us like how fleeting is this life and how meaningless it can be unless we keep our eyes on God. But he died. He's done. Many times prophecies, they have this dual application, right? They will apply to that current time and that current situation and somebody from there, but then they also will look forward to be fulfilled. Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And that's why the Jewish people, the Jewish people have been looking and waiting for Messiah. They had been in the time of Jesus. Unfortunately, today they're still looking and waiting for Messiah. But it was prophecies like this that they said, Messiah is going to come. He's going to set up what? A kingdom, right? 
when the Romans were Romans, Romans, when the Romans were ruling over them, right? They didn't like it. They wanted someone to come and set up a kingdom. They wanted Jesus, I mentioned this last week, to come and be their king and to take off the, uh, the rule of, of Rome over them. He says that your kingdom, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me and your throne will be established forever. Is he talking about a literal house there? He's talking about the house of God, the people of God. Gonna, going to be established, will endure because of the king. Then turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And verse 6 and 7. We talked about verse 6 on uh, the Sunday before Christmas. Again, these are promises that the people of Israel, they were, they were holding on to. They were waiting for. It says in verse 6, chapter 9 of Isaiah, For to us a child is born. We read these verses at Christmas time. To us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But look at verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It says the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It's an everlasting kingdom. So when Matthew writes these words, he's a son of, he is the son of David, immediately this is what they're going to think. Much like when Jesus was on the cross and he said, you know, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? They're thinking back to a passage in the Psalms because they, they knew these words. Jesus Christ, the son of David, being the king, he was the fulfillment of the messianic hope of the line of kings says a shoot in Isaiah 11 will, will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. And Jesse was the, the father of David. Jeremiah says, uh, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely. And then in Luke, when, when, when the angel was speaking to Mary, it was said to her that, you will be with child, give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. The son of David, he was the king and his kingdom will never, ever, ever end. Again, this theme that, that goes through that I want to, I, I want to, you know, overarch it in every study that we do, the fact that Jesus Christ is the king, is the son of David. Is he my king? Is he your king? Have we, you know, put ourselves under his rule and, and of his reign? At the very end of the book, Jesus says these words in Revelation 22. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. He says, I am the root and the offspring of David. The bright and morning star, Jesus Christ, from beginning to end, the king. It's all about him. This book is all about him. It's all about him being the king, not just about him being a person or a prophet or a good 
a teacher or, or anything like that. He's from very, the very beginning of this book all the way to the end. He's the king. The king of kings. The Lord of lords. Let's move on because we're, we're not going to have this kind of detail, obviously, on all these names. But that one being the most important, he starts off with that one. And then he says, the son of Abraham. And, and, and so he, he now this is as far back as he's going to go in the history. He's from Abraham, and Abraham was who? The father of what? The father of the faithful and the father of the, the whole Jewish nation, right? This is where it began. This is where it started. I want you to turn back with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. We've been doing you know studies in, in numbers for uh, quite a while, and... and uh, so we, we have a lot of Old Testament background, and we've talked about these verses before too, but, but this is the very beginning of it in the, in the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis, the beginnings of the nation of Israel. We call it the nation of Israel, but Abraham is where it began. Israel comes from what? Why do we call it the nation of Israel? Because of Jacob, whose name was also Israel, and the 12 sons that Jacob had and, and, and came out of him. But it began before that, didn't it? It began with Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob. It says in, in uh, chapter 12, verse 1, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, your father's house, hold, and, I, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. He says in verse 3, and look at this carefully, he says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. How? How? How is that fulfilled? Through Jesus. All peoples on earth be blessed through Abraham. And and. It, it was fulfilled literally through Jesus Christ, you see. You know, this tiny little strip of land, tiny, tiny little strip of land, uh, you know, thousands of miles from here affects you and I today. It goes back here to the call of Abraham, that God was going to do something. That God was going to do something and he was going to use the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. He was going to fulfill his promises through this nation, this people. Is the nation of Israel important? You better believe it is. Is what's going on there now, uh, you know, how does that fit into the whole scheme of prophecy? You know, everybody has different opinions about all that. But the fact of the matter is, is that, that God chose Abram the line of Abram to send the Messiah, Jesus Christ. A lot of times we don't even think about the fact that Jesus was Jewish. He was from Abraham. He says he was a son of Abraham here. But all peoples on earth would be blessed through Abram, through the line of, Abr through the line of Abram. But, but notice this here in verse 3. Uh, this is kind of a, a side note, but he says, I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's very, very important what our relationship is with the nation of Israel. Our country is, is, is uh, I think, without doubt, the biggest supporter of Israel, financially and in many, many other ways. And, you know, God forbid that we would ever turn from this support of Israel. 
because of this scripture here. Because if we, if we bless them, God is going to bless us. If we, if we turn away from blessing and, and, and being a support for the nation of Israel, God forbid what could happen to you and to I, to this country, happen to you and me. See, I caught it there. This nation of Israel, this tiny little strip of land, and yet they're surrounded. When you think about this, they're surrounded by nations who hate them. They're surrounded by nations whose, whose primary purpose is what? Destroy them completely. Annihilate them. Take them out completely. And yet, God says that all peoples on earth would be blessed through this nation, through this country, these people. Jesus said it to the woman at the well. He said, salvation is from the Jews. Salvation is from the Jews. When he was put upon the cross, Pilate put that statement that he was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This nation... You read, you know, and you got to read Genesis to kind of get this picture here, though, but it, it talks about Ishmael and how Ishmael, you know, you know, through the circumstances that he came about and they weren't good circumstances, Abram kind of going, trying to do in his flesh what only God could do miraculously. And then, the, you know, Ishmael, and it says that there would be this enmity between the line of Ishmael and the people of Israel. And, and that's what we see here and now, this enmity that is continuing. Let's go on back to uh, Matthew chapter 1. He was the son of Abraham. Look at uh, verse 2. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Abraham, and again, I mentioned the fact that it needed to be a supernatural birth. Abraham and, and his wife Sarah could have no children. It was a supernatural occurrence that God enabled that to happen. Isaac was the father of Jacob, whose name was also Israel. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. Every one of those names has significance. Maybe not to you and me, and we may not know or remember their names, but every single one of those names has significance. Some we recognize, some we don't. The next section going from David, it says David is, the middle of verse 6, was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. And then it goes on to list a whole list of different kings. Rehoboam, Abijah, Asa, Jehoshaphat. Jehoram, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, Manasseh, Ammon, Josiah, Jeconiah. Whole list, these, this second category here, well, these were all kings. Again, this idea of the, the line of kings, going back to David, and, and now the, the whole section, this whole category of kings. Verse 7. 
from Solomon all the way, it says there in the end of verse 11, to the exile to Babylon. The exile to Babylon. And in this section here, we see there are good kings, there are bad kings. And it got so bad, though, that it got to the point where Israel, specifically the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom had already been taken into captivity. The southern kingdom was then taken into captivity by Babylon. And that's what it says there. And then verse 12, the third section, we won't look at every name there. The third section begins after the exile, where they would go back. And and you see there in verse 12, the name Zerubbabel. He was the one who led the first group back. We looked at the book of Ezra. First, Zerubbabel went back, then Ezra, and then Nehemiah. They went back in all these different names. Each one of them important. Some are are more recognizable than others. And then down to verse 16, it says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Notice there, they're all the way through, they're saying the father of, the father of, the father of, and Jacob is the father of Joseph. But when it gets to Jesus, it says he was born of Mary. Joseph legally was his father, but Joseph wasn't his actual father, was he? Because we know about the virgin birth. To fulfill this prophecy of the virgin birth, which is the next section we'll get to next time, It doesn't say that he was the father. The virgin birth, the supernatural birth of Christ, we we see it, the section started, this whole thing started with a supernatural birth of Abraham and the birth of his son Isaac. And then we see here a supernatural birth of a different kind, not exactly the same, but supernatural in a different way, the birth of Christ. But they had to go back to the promised land they had to return from exile why to fulfill the prophecy that the birth was to be where in Bethlehem right in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 again this whole idea of genealogy uh, comes into play when they were going back to they didn't really live in Bethlehem did they where did Joseph and Mary live in Nazareth but they went back to Bethlehem why to all you said there, but I couldn't hear a word you said, but all for the census. And it had to do with, you know, the line that you came from, your genealogy, the group, the, the tribe that you were from. It had to do with that, you see. So that's why they ended up going back to Bethlehem, the town of David, right? Bethlehem. All these things leading up to, to the Jewish mind, these things all made huge amounts of sense. To you and I, we go, wow, names, names, names. Let's just kind of skip over them. And, and, and I've said many times, you know, if, if you need to skip over them, uh, just read them quickly, skim through them, whatever, and keep reading. Don't just stop because it's a list of names. But to the Jewish mind, they're going like, wow, this is phenomenal. Finally, verse 17, we'll stop there. It says, thus there were 14 generations in all. From Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, 14 from the exile to the Christ. They kind of set it up. And Matthew, they believe that he set these things up in these three sections. Why? Because so people could memorize them easily. Because they didn't have, you know, 
printing presses like we do so that we could all have our own books. They would memorize these things, you see. But all led up to Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the King, the fulfillment of the prophecies, the history, all of the history. And and Matthew carefully lays it out for them that the history was preparing the way for the birth of Jesus Christ. More than 40 people mentioned. 46, 47 people mentioned in these genealogies, in this particular genealogy, is over like a 2,000-year span. Different personalities, different positions, different walks of life. Some were famous, some were not so famous, some were good, some were, some were not so good, some were evil. It includes four women in that. Usually the genealogies didn't include women. Matthew includes four women here. He includes some Gentiles. He includes some with questionable histories. He includes dysfunctional families. Even in the tree of Jesus, dysfunctional families. That's why he had to, that's why he had to be born of a virgin because there was no way he was going to get anything pure from this line, right? But it was all there. It was all shown to be there. And, and, uh, I like what somebody said, every family tree always produces nuts. (laughs) But none of that stopped the plan of God, you see. God protected this line. God protected the nation even when the the nation of Israel was split into two. He protected the line of David. He protected the line of the Messiah, the line of the king that would come so that you and I could sit here today and have a king. The barriers, though, when you look at these different kinds of people, all these different names and and different histories, the barriers were torn down. Woman, man, Gentile, Jew, every single one, uh, famous, not so famous, evil, good. Christ died for them all. Someone said this, that they're all in need of God's grace. None was able to save himself. All, even the best in the list, stood in need of redemption by the blood of the promised Redeemer. Every single one of them, the the salvation and grace that came to every single one of them comes to you and to me, to all who would receive. Is it just a list of names? No, it's not a list of names. It's it's a list of history, the history of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want to just think about and close with this question for you and for me. What's your story like? What's your history? What's your family tree? Have you ever looked into it? Have you ever thought about it? Where does it come from? Where does it go to? The New Testament talks about being grafted into the tree of faith. And and really, that's what really makes a difference. You and I don't really care much about what so-and-so's history is unless maybe they're, you know, they've got some famous relative or something, you know. I I understand I'm related to Johnny Appleseed, (laughs) right? His name was Chapman. So uh, I've got a basket of apples for you at the door. I want to just bless you with that on the way out. Not really. See, it doesn't really matter. Who cares? Johnny Appleseed. So what? But to be grafted into the family tree of Jesus Christ, to be in that family, that's what makes a difference, you see. And to, to call him king. The son of David, the king. Is he the king in my life? 
Is he the king that you and I serve? Matthew 6.33, I think, I think for me it's kind of like the verse that, that sticks out in my mind and, and uh, I probably will repeat it often. Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. All the rest of it. Don't not, he says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Today, seek first his kingdom. His righteousness and all the rest will be okay. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, to look at these verses and to <clears throat> try to understand them and try to receive from them, Lord, in, in, in our minds, it, it really doesn't make much sense, doesn't matter much, but, but to you, it's the line of kings that led to the the King of kings, our Savior and our Messiah, Jesus Christ, the one who is the answer. May we bow before the King. May we truly have that relationship of, of, of you as our King, Jesus, that we could serve you as King. We could live our lives under the, under the protection of you as our King. We could live our lives knowing that you are a good king and you love us. Lord, we simply surrender to you once again and as we should do each day, seek ye first the kingdom of God each day. First, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven where you reign. We surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen.